Well, how was your winter break? Tricks are, tricks we've been we've been gone for a minute. We also missed our original busy. date for this comeback because we both kind of just forgot. We did. But honestly, I think it ended up working out better because initially we usually planned for like a month. Mm-hmm. And I think we did like exactly four weeks and it wasn't quite a month. And I think we both needed the extra week anyways because I was sick last weekend. Like Honestly, I, yeah, same. I've been I've been sick since the, the new year, so I'm just so slowly I'm, starting to sound normal. You can probably normal. still hear it a little bit in my voice. Yeah, it makes you sound nice and milky. Nice and milky. Yeah. Um. Yeah, between Christmas and I was all over the place. I was in Vegas. I was at your place. I was back in L.A. for the Rose Bowl and Rose Parade. I was at Disneyland. Yeah, you were more busy than me, but I also had a a pretty busy holiday You did. You were also really busy. We went to New York, which was a lot of fun. Then we had Alyssa's party. Then we celebrated with my aunt. And then we... I was mostly... I started by getting really uh, sick on Christmas Eve. And then I kind of started getting better. And then by New Year's, I got pink eye. That was rough. Ooh. And no, nobody farted on my pillow. It was purely from all of the sinus <laughs> Actually, shit I had I and me fucking with my eyes. I was rubbing my it eyes was, too it much. It was me. I farted on your pillow. Yeah. Um. So that sucked and that took a while to clear up. And then I just have like, I just, I've had residual sickness since. Yeah, that's so. the worst when you like feel fine, but you can like, it's still like up yeah, there. I, st- I still know? wake up with the phlegm. So still yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Sucks. Anyway, but the break it was sucks. good. It was nice. But happy new year. Happy new year. Twenty twenty four. Ready. The year of the great. Twenty twenty four is not our year. We're not going to make those kinds of accusations. No, but it is the year of the grape. Why is it the year of the grape? I'm just kidding. I'm making that up. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know. I I'm always a big fan of the year of Luigi. <laughs> what is that? The year of Luigi was literally just a joke that my friends and I were making when we were playing uh, Smash Bros. And one of our other friends did all of the work on one of these big boss fights. Mm. And I came in and hit, did the last hit and after she died. And I was like, it's the year of Luigi, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> it's the year of Luigi, baby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Back to the Pilot. I'm Chase. And I'm Chloe. And to start off the new year, we're doing a classic episode of Adult Animation with South Park and Rick and Morty. So sit back and relax as we take you back to the pilot. Wow, that was a very straightforward and basic intro. I like it. Yeah, you know, New Year, same us. Yeah, you didn't. You know well, no, a lot of times you go over ambitious with the adjectives you use to describe it's been whatever a while. our show this, is. This season, I've been very tame. You actually have been relatively tame this season. Tame or lazy? It's one of the two. Uh, both. Real combination. <laughs> uh, both. Okay. Well, I'm up first in this new year. Um, yes. So we're gonna start with actually remembering how to do this podcast and asking you, Chase, what do you know about the TV show South Park? Um, I've uh I've watched quite a bit of South Park. Uh, definitely like a lot more of the newer seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. But I've, I've always been a big fan. And I know who it was created by. I know it was created by uh, those two guys that you'll mention later. Um, <laughs> you don't know their names? No, I do know. It's Trey oh, Parker okay, okay. and Matt Stone. I just didn't want to like... Oh, you're not stealing like, any thunder. I don't care about stealing that. Stealing any information. I'm pretty sure um, like most people that will listen to this know who Trey Parker and Matt Stone are. Yeah. Uh, and like they've got like a deal with the, the LA Kings, who are my favorite hockey team. And they do like random animations for them. Oh, really? I didn't uh, know that. That's funny. At their games, uh, just of like Cartman 
cheering for the Kings, and then Kenny comes out of nowhere cheering for the opposing team, and then they they kill Kenny, uh, kill Kenny or beat him up. You know, nice. I don't think they kill him because there's generally a lot of children at hockey games. But um, honestly, they should just kill him because it's a hockey game. Yeah, He's for real. Get, like there's there's people doing shit that kids shouldn't be watching the whole yeah. time, like sex. Um, but yeah, big fan, big fan, big fan, big fan. Well, nice, nice. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, for me personally, obviously I knew Trey Parker and Matt Stone created it. I did know that they were from Colorado because I'm from Colorado. So it was like just, that's, that's a big, like in the Colorado. It's honestly like a weirdly big pride of Colorado that those guys are from Colorado, I think. Like there's a weird, or like to some people, I'm sure like there's plenty of people they've alienated and that fucking hate them. But, but as a not Colorado me. native, I not feel yet. like it's like a, at least in my family, it's a, it's a proud, proud point in our, in our state's history that they're from here. So let's, uh, let's get into it. All right. The title of the pilot episode is Cartman gets an anal probe. The pilot released on August 13th, 1997 on comedy central where you can watch it. I actually forgot to finish looking this up. I watched it on HBO. I feel like you can probably also watch it on ComedyCentral.com. Um, and I did not look where else you could watch it cause I'm an idiot and forgot. So. Yeah, I feel like there are because a, because well, of their whole like Paramount streaming too. wars thing. Yeah, there's stuff on Paramount, but I don't know if it's the I don't whole, know if the show, whole show, show is on Paramount. I know for a fact there's like most of the seasons on HBO for sure. It's like seasons one yeah. through twenty six or something are on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm also realizing I actually didn't do like a kind of follow follow up on like where they've been since COVID. So that was kind of stupid of me because they've kind of changed their format of their stuff since COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know what? This isn't about that. It's about the fucking pilot. So I don't feel that bad about it. Chase will go into some. You shouldn't. Some you shouldn't feel that where bad. the show is now because he's better at his job than I am. But I have a bunch of juicy information that I feel like some people aren't going to have known. So. Mm. Anyway, the creators are Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and on IMDb, it says Brian Graydon. On Wikipedia, it says developed by Brian Graydon. However, I do think his part is massive in the show being creative created, so I still listed him as a creator. Um, the series is uh, the series synopsis is follows the misadventures of four irreverent grade schoolers in the quiet, dysfunctional town of South Park, Colorado. And then the synopsis of the pilot episode is Cartman wakes up and realizes he was abducted by aliens after hearing it uh, it from his friends. He is in major denial at first, though, but even Chef is a believer. Now, there were two, it says unreleased pilot and then the actual pilot. I think that was technically the one I, I copied from the unreleased pilot. The other pilot synopsis is the one like under Cartman gets an anal probe is Cartman's uh, Cartman's dream about being abducted by aliens turns out to have actually happened. And when the aliens take Kyle's brother, all of of them must find a way to bring the aliens back and confront them. That's a little bit just more detailed of what actually happens. I don't, I didn't Mm -hmm. watch the original pilot. I have, based off my research, I think it's just what they showed in the focus groups prior to the release of this one. Right, yeah. Um, Unreleased pilot. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's like the same premise and everything, so... Now, getting into the creator's histories, I'm just going to do brief history on Brian Graydon. He was born March 23rd, 1963. He grew up in Hillsboro, Illinois. He graduated from Oral Roberts University with a degree in business and later went on to get his master's in business from Harvard. And then he began working in television and ultimately became the senior, the senior vice president at Fox Lab, which is the Fox's alternative programming unit. 
Then, I, um, ironic, not ironically, but kind of weirdly, there wasn't a whole lot of information on Matt Stone's history. So, and I had a fuck ton on Trey Parker. So, I just kind of decided to do the basic information I found on Wikipedia for Matt Stone. Um, right. So, he was born May 26, 1971, in Houston, Texas. They, um, at some point, they moved to Littleton, Colorado. I actually couldn't figure out when, um, but that's it. Just kind of says like that's where Matt and his sister grew up. Were in little uh, was in Littleton, Colorado, and then he graduated from Heritage High School and went on to study math at the University of Colorado. During his time there, he took a film class, and that is where he met Trey Parker. Now, some history on Trey Parker. Some, I mean, a lot. Um, a lot. <laughs> well, it's a lot. It's a, a fair. It's the more there's more history on him, and then I do kind of want it as the duo. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Born Randolph Severin Trey Parker the third, which I did not fucking know. (laughs) I know it's the start. Like it just, I am. If I'm being completely honest, while I was like doing research on him, I thought I was being fucking pranked. That feel it does feel like a prank. It feels like somebody went in and already starts off feeling fake. And I don't, I don't know. Trey Parker went in and changed that himself for sure. I he's pranking you. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, so he was born Randolph Severn Trey Parker III on August 19, 1969 in Conifer, Colorado. In the sixth grade, he wrote and performed a sketch at his school at his school's talent show entitled The Dentist. The point of it being to point out everything that can go wrong in a dentist's office. Apparently, there was a considerable amount of fake blood that ended in Parker's parents being called uh, called in about the sketch. And um, in an interview I was reading, Parker was uh, saying that he remembers the kindergartners were all crying and freaking out, Um, (laughs) which I just think is fucking hilarious. Um, So already getting an idea of how ambitious Trey Parker was, even as a sixth grader. From the age of 14 till he graduated high school, Parker and his friends actually would make short films on the weekends. Uh, His father had bought him a film camera. And I I don't know if they like actually edited them or if they just kind of did like what I did when I was a kid, which is you kind of shoot it like an eight millimeter film, which is you shoot the shot and then you shoot the next shot and you go back and forth rather than shooting a whole piece of coverage and editing it. Um, so I have a feeling they probably did it like that, but he did it consistently. Um, obviously it's not going to be every single weekend, but he did it on a lot of weekends from the time he was 14 until he graduated high school. Starting at the age of 17, Parker began to express an interest in music, more specifically comedy music, comedy-based music. Um, He developed a love for musical theater, where Parker actually joined the Evergreen Players, which is a a theater company in Evergreen, Colorado. In high school, he also played the piano for the chorus and was the president of the choir council. See why I thought I was being pranked? Yeah. You know, know, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Like, I knew this guy. I knew Trey Parker was really smart. I Like, Trey Parker and Matt Stone have to be smart because you can't create the comedy you create and be fucking stupid. It's just not a possibility. Yeah. 99% of comedians are super fucking smart. Um, I just didn't realize how, like, truly talented he was from a very early age. Um, also, supposedly, the Evergreen Choir was, like, renowned. I don't know if it still is, but it was, like, renowned nationwide, and he was a part of that in, like supposedly he was like super popular because of that. Um, which is kind of crazy to think about. 
Um, he graduated from Evergreen High School in 1988 and spent one year at Berkeley College of Music before transferring to the University of Colorado. Uh, before transferring to the University of Colorado, where he majored in film and I shit you not, Japanese. Nice. Yeah. Um, while at CU, he met Matt Stone. So now we're going to get into the duo here. So while they were in college, the duo actually wrote and acted in several shorts uh, together, including First Date, Man on Mars, and Job Application. There is actually a YouTube link where you can watch these. Um, I can send it to you if you have any desire to watch them, but I, we I could also put it later. in the link of our description as well um, for anybody that might want to watch them. They're horrendous quality, by the way. Um, <laughs> but if you have any desire to watch them, we can put the link in the in the uh, description of this podcast. Um, Parker recalled in an interview that they would shoot uh, a film nearly every weekend, but have lost the majority of them. So, I mean, that makes sense. Like, I mean, when I was in film school, we shot a lot of films and did a lot of like random short film stuff that I for sure have lost at this point. And this is like we oh, had... Yeah. Ours was all digital. This is they were filming like on VHSs and shit. Right, they were not. Yeah, yeah. They were filming on film and VHS. Stuff you can actually lose. A lot yeah, easier. stuff you could physically lose a lot easier. Anyway, so he recalled that, and then he was saying that the first time they used paper animation. Well, actually, sorry, the first time um, Parker actually used paper animation, he was the first one to do it out of the duo. Um, he was uh it was on a short called American History, um, which he made for his animation class. This actually became an unexpected sensation. I had to, I could not find this, though I will say I didn't actually look that hard to try and find this um, short. But it did become an unexpected sensation and led to Parker's first Student Academy Award, um, which wow. I didn't even know he won one. He there, In the interview thing I was reading, he recalled that he was um, sitting in like a room with all these <laughs> people and students from like cal arts and he was like all these people have like beautiful watercolor drawings like beautiful animations <laughs> and then there's his like crude paper animation <laughs> stop motion stuff and he fucking won and he's like these guys just have to be pissed um which i just so love the, my, my favorite thing is that the success of these two is just so contradictory to the success of so many people and it's the fact that they just wanted to do their own thing make each other laugh crude animations and that was like all that's all they fucking cared about and it fucking worked um also they're fucking smart and really funny so it's like it, it works for them not everyone can just make each yeah. other laugh and and make it work yeah you were never up for a student a, academy award no, were you? sure was not no i did not make <laughs> anything even remotely good enough um in 1992 the duo alongside uh alongside their buddies jason McHugh and ian harden founded a production company called Avenging Conscience, named after the D.W. Griffith film of the same name. Their first production was called Jesus vs. Frosty, where they used the same paper cutout animation. They created a trailer for a... Uh, they then created a trailer for a fictional film called Alfred Packer the Musical. The trailer became somewhat of a sensation among the students and the school... Uh, and the school to which... Sorry, hang on. I forgot to write this down and I remember that I wrote it down later in my notes and then I forgot to actually put it back up in these notes. So the Jesus versus Frosty thing was a also a major hit. Um, people thought it was hilarious. It has the it has the like original kind of characters of South Park, like the four young boys, though they have like different voices and they're they're not quite like they're not exactly as they are now as we know them now, but they still have like four young kids, crude animation 
kids saying, you know, fuck and that kind of thing. And it happened to be a huge like hit among the student body that watched it. And then this trailer that they made also happened to be a huge hit among the student body. So much so that the chairman and founder of the school, Virgil Griot, um, convinced uh, the quartet to expand it into an actual feature length film. Parker then actually wrote a script in an Oklahoma-like style with 10 of its own original show tunes. They raised $125,000 from family and friends and began shooting the project. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I've seen the movie several times, and the fact wait. that it was created by college kids is crazy. Um, wait, wait, wait. They raised how much money? $125,000. Jesus Christ. A lot of money, but also not a lot of money <clears throat> for shooting a feature-length film. No, but, but still, like, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, college students working with one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars in the eighties or nineties. Honestly, in particular, 70s. these college students because they were so fucking thrifty. And you'll True. you'll kind of you'll see you'll see. I mean, they were already so used to shooting so many like short films on their own without any money, right? So it's like, imagine what you can do with money, with that right. same mentality. Which honestly. If you've never seen it, the movie is now officially called Cannibal the Musical, and it is pretty fucking funny. Um, so they shot the film in Loveland Pass as the winter was ending, which is that sounds fucking miserable and freezing. Um, but great scenery. So easy there. It premiered in Boulder in October of 1993. They actually submitted it, uh, submitted the film to Sundance Festival, uh, who did not respond. <laughs> but <laughs> not surprising. But Parker told McHugh that he had a quote unquote vision that they needed to be there. So they decided to rent out their own conference room in a nearby hotel and put on their own screenings. Um, I just think that's fucking amazing that they did that in general, that you, they just booked out a fucking conference room in a hotel near Sundance. And yeah. like from like, that's the kind of shit that I never would have like thought. Throwing to do. An yeah. It's just so it's one of those things I never would even thought to like do this gained attention. Um, MTV actually did a short news segment. MTV actually did a short news segment on their film and um, it, made it turned out to make them a lot of industry connections through this thing that they decided to do this is also where they happen to meet brian graydon who is listed as a development a developer on the show and creator on imdb um so following that success the group uh sans harden moved to los angeles uh they unsuccessfully pitched a children's program entitled time warp to fox kids um, which would have involved fictionalized stories of people in history. So when I hear that, I kind of think of um, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, yeah. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, well. which honestly is kind of crazy that they like, well, actually, this is really why it got declined. I forgot. Um, so they create. they were actually, so it did get declined. Um, however, not immediately. They were actually like, not really commissioned, but asked to create two pilots for two separate pilots for it by Fox. Um, however, they did that. It They literally did it over a few year span, like created those pilots. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And despite the Fox Broadcasting Company's development executive, Pam Brady, approving it, uh, the network disbanded the Fox Kids division by the time they would have even had a chance to make the show. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, so, they actually had a hard time finding success at the start of their, their Los Angeles journey. They were living on friends' couches and floors and 
just trying to make ends meet, trying to, you know, despite having all these connections. Um, they even had a connection with David Zucker, who is the director of Airplane, Naked Gun, some of the scary movies and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, spoof movies. Yeah. Um, but he they had a connection with him because he was actually a huge fan of Cannibal, their, the musical. Um, he uh, actually hired the duo to create a 15-minute short film for Seagram's to show at a party for its acquisition of Universal Studios. Um, apparently, a week earlier, Zucker had actually offered Parker to direct a movie of his called High School High, um, which Parker actually declined. In an interview, Parker uh, recalled that he couldn't believe uh, that he, as in Zucker, couldn't believe that some 25-year-old punk with nothing to do would pass on it. And so then I think he actually started, he really started to like me, um, which I do <laughs> love because it's like, it's truly like, why would you, like in my mind, I see, I hear that and I'm like, why, why? would you, <laughs> why would you pass on that? And I mean, ultimately he had his own plans and idea of what he wanted to do and be in Hollywood and it fucking worked, but it's just like crazy to think about. But it yeah, is seriously. also one of those things where it's like, damn, this guy knows what he wants to do. And like, it makes me like him more. He's got maxi. Um, yeah, maxi kid. Anyway, so Zucker offered them this 15 minute short to do. They accepted it. Uh, when he sold it to them, like pitched it to them, he said, don't worry about it because it's really funny. The script is really funny and you'll have a blast. Apparently, there was no script. Parker and Stone showed up on the first day of filming for this short, and things were not nearly as lighthearted as Zucker made it seem. There was a public relations person that was in charge of the production that already hated the duo because she was expecting to work with Zucker, and Zucker had passed it on to them. When um, Parker found out that there was no script, Parker called Zucker asking about it, and said, and Zucker said, oh no, I meant the script I know you're going to write is going to be really funny. <laughs> No. Yeah. So what do, was what would anyone do in this scenario, especially two people that are as smart as Trey Parker and Matt Stone? They improvised. They came up with a, an idea to just do a 1950s industrial movie where uh, it's literally just kind of like a, a uh, how to how to keep up with the time, how Universal Studios is keeping up with the times, um, really. So imagine those like, you know, old like. You know the old the old thing in Dodgeball where like uh patches yeah. of hand it's kind of like that. A thing kind of like that. Um similar gotcha. vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um they were just two 20 nobodies now directing celebrities that uh of the likes of Sylvester Stallone, James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, Demi Moore. Like they were literally had done nothing yet in Hollywood and all <laughs> of a sudden were directing major major not just major like actors, major directors. Um, right, yeah, yeah. they were convinced that it was the end of their career though, because they had, they had to improvise, they gorilla shot it. They just had to go, go, go. Um, there was even when they were filming James Cameron, apparently he, uh, he was like, you know, you really should, you should, you should do this better. You shouldn't shoot it into the sun. And they were just like, it's fine. Just shoot it. Just go, just do it. And he was like, no, like we should really be taking our time with this. And he goes, when I like to film, I like to take my time with things. And apparently Matt Stone um, recanted with recanted. Is that a word? 
whatever, rebuttled. Rebuttled. Yeah, I think rebuttled is what I wanted to say. Rebuttled with, yeah, well, that's why your movies cost so damn, so damn, so much damn money. <laughs> um, and then James Cameron is like, if he was, because technically Matt Stone wasn't the director on this, right? You know, Trey Parker right. was the director hired on it and he brought Matt Stone in. And James Cameron was like, if he was working on my set, he'd be fired. To which Parker responded with, well, he's my best friend. So, <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of that. Uh, they shot it. It actually ended up being a huge hit at the party. Um, that is also in the video, the YouTube video. You can actually watch it as well, which I did watch it because it was, I had, I just had to see it. Um, also, horrendous quality, but it, it's truly like, it just is, it just points out how fucking smart they have always been and how good they are, what they do. Like, if you watch that video again, I think we should put the, the YouTube link in the, description but it, it's crazy how like well done it is knowing that they had no information and no script right. and yeah, yeah. they just had to improvise it all it's fucking insane um apparently though the pr flack um that was all upset with them and didn't want to do it with them took all the credit for the success of it and got promoted and went on um but however it did not end their career at the very least so now I'm going to get kind of into the development of our show. Um, like I said, the duo met Brian Graydon at their own little Sundance festival that they hosted where he too saw Cannibal and was a huge fan. Um, they went on to show him Jesus versus Frosty, which was that uh, short that I mentioned earlier they created in uh, college, um, which obviously Brian also loved. He actually then hired the duo to make a video greeting card that he could send to all of his friends, which is where the Jesus versus Santa, AKA the spirit of Christmas was created. Um, they finished it in December of 1995 and Graydon sent it off to around 80 of his industry friends and executives. He sent it off on VHS tapes, which is amazing. During that time, someone in those 80 people digitized this short and actually put it on the internet and it became one of the internet's first viral videos. I try to find out what website they actually put it on because we've done a history of YouTube and this was not mentioned yeah. in there. So I don't know what website it was actually put on that it became viral, but it did. Um, and it became probably, like... Probably just one of those like flash websites. That's what I, I'm thinking as well. Um, but it became huge. so many at the time. It, it wasn't just viral on the internet. It was viral within the VHS tapes. Like people were copying the VHS tapes and giving them to their friends. And I don't know if you know oh, how wow. like copying a VHS tape works, but like it's, the more you do it, it takes the shittier effort. <laughs> well, one, it takes effort, right? It takes a lot of effort to actually do. Two, the quality of the product actually like lowers. Like you literally can't copy the exact same quality of it. That's why people are always like, oh, vinyl is just such a pure product and you can't just give or give whatever. Right. So right. it's like, yeah, yeah, it, it's truly it, copying a VHS tape, especially what was already a relatively low quality product. It's just it made it even lower and it was getting copied over and over and over and over again. There was a, in the interview I was reading um Parker said that they heard some rumor that George Clooney had actually copied it 300 times for someone or for pe <laughs> for people in general um which is just like it's insane i don't that's know if that's true so or not funny. um it, like i said they said it was a rumor but if it is true that's fucking awesome the duo actually never put their names within the physical footage so when it did go out to millions of people nobody actually knew who created it they didn't do like a trey parker and matt Stone present or anything like that so there was no there was nothing on there that 
that labeled it as theirs because, you know, they were just making it for Brian Green. And uh, supposedly at a party a few months later, someone at the party was like, you guys have to see this video. They put it on and Trey Parker and Matt were like, uh, that's ours. To which the guy <laughs> was like, no, I know the guys that made this. They just got a meeting with MTV. To which they were like, fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> fucking what? Yeah. Fortunately, they had Brian, though, um, which is also why I, I like he's not just a developer to me. Like he's a huge reason they even found success in this because um, fuck if he wasn't around, if they didn't have him, who knows if anyone who knows if Southburg would even exist today. Right. Right. He Brian uh, met with the people at MTV and was like, the people you met with are not the creators of this. The creators of it are these guys who I actually commissioned to make this. And so in a flash. Literally everyone wanted to meet them and graded. Everyone was like, we got to meet these guys because it was that popular. It was literally. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just one of those. It was it was viral before viral was even a, even a thing. This is in 1995. Totally. Like you didn't have viral back then. Um, and it wasn't like a 15 minutes of fame thing back then either. It was it was a decent amount of fame, especially with how like much effort it would have taken to actually make this this jesus versus frosty or uh, jesus versus santa thing so in an interview with entertainment weekly parker recalls we were uh we were broke and splitting money for a donut everyone wanted to meet us but executives were saying you can never repeat this as a show because you could couldn't be this dirty on tv so it wouldn't be funny um mtv turned them down fox turned them down other people turned them down and then in that same interview parker recalls all i knew was that this was a dumb little thing we made People were somehow getting it from a friend of a friend and copying it. People would have these VHS copies where you could barely see the picture because it had been copied 400 times. We were just like, we should not give up on this idea because for people to work that hard to copy something and get it to their friends meant something, which is so true. If someone wants it, like nowadays it's like because of how easy it is to access things and all you have to do is send a link, like the concept of viral is so different now from what this kind oh, of viral yeah, was, which is just so cool. But then enter Comedy Central president Doug Herzog. Well, technically, the development executive, Debbie Liebling. Um, Liebling? Might be Liebling. Um, first, she actually is the person that introduced Herzog to the spirit of Christmas. She pulled him into her office and was like, you got to fucking see this. Um, after seeing it, he knew he had to work uh, or he knew he had to be in business with the people that made it. Even though he was skeptical about whether or not you could actually put it on air, he just knew he, he had to at, at the very least meet with them and try to work with them. At this time, Comedy Central wasn't very big. In fact, it was, I don't even think, um, not think, I, it didn't even have its own original content yet. It was a very small channel that was kind of replaying other stuff. Herzog mm -hmm. had actually come from MTV into Comedy Central, so it's like he was kind of a similar vibe to that, only without its own original content. But in the same Entertainment Weekly interview, Graydon recalls, being the show that can put a channel on the map is a much more fun position to be in than hoping that you can hold onto 100% of a lead-in from Married with Children. Which is so true, because it's like if South Park had aired on something like MTV or Fox, it's like it would just be a totally different kind of hit, it right? Would be, well, yeah. Well, and to your point, like, like those those networks were not going to let that type of humor on their network, no. right? They were going to have to, if they had agreed to do anything with Fox or MTV or any of those networks, they would have had to change quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So they then actually flew to New York where they met with Herzog. And after a weekend of watching Broadway shows every night, Comedy Central offered them a deal. Um, I saw something about, uh, I think it was on the Wikipedia page that I saw something about where they were in negotiation, negotiations with both MTV and Comedy Central at the same time. But I, in a couple other sources, I saw that they had already been turned down by MTV at that point. So I'm not really sure what's true here. I feel like it makes, like, based off of what I was reading, it seems to make more sense that Comedy Central, um, that they had already been turned down by MTV and Comedy Central had uh, already offered them a pilot. Um, either way, they decided to go with Comedy Central. If they were in negotiations with both, they went with Comedy Central. Comedy Central ordered a pilot out of them, which took three months to create because they were still doing the stop motion uh, paper animation for the pilot. However, after delivering the pilot, Herzog and the Comedy Central executives expressed disappointment in the episode. Even um, the focus groups they had for it were incredibly low ratings. I saw a thing where it said particularly among women, which makes sense because this is a very crude show and it's not really made for the average, you know, older. Even I don't know what kind of women they had. I don't know what kind of focus group it really was. But if you had any kind of woman over 30, like no, no shot in hell. Oh, yeah, Maybe yeah. if you have some some like women in their like twenties or whatever, but like even even like girls in their teens probably wouldn't enjoy it. Either way, it got incredibly horrible focus group ratings, like te- like ones and twos out of ten, terrible. Apparently, they also made some people cry in it, which is uh, I don't even understand. <laughs> I, like it blows my mind how fucking sensitive people can be, but whatever. So after the meeting with Herzog, they uh, were asked to change the end of the the video or the sorry the end of the pilot and then make a couple of their adjustments within it like i said they were doing all the the stop motion paper cut animation so it took a fucking hot minute to actually do that um after about a week of making those changes and fixing it um they uh comedy central liked the episode more and decide uh, besides i don't think they did another focus group on the new edit i think they kind of just said fuck it we're gonna go with it and decided to order six episodes that being said the other the rest of the show was not actually done via that stop motion paper animation they did it um digitally still with the same style and all that kind of thing but they didn't have to do physical cutting out paper and doing stop motion animation in the same entertainment weekly interview herzog recalls anybody that tells you they knew it was going to be a hit and the only people i would believe if you ask them would be matt and trey uh that's bullshit uh that's just bullshit sorry the way that reads is super weird but that's how he said it apparently essentially anybody that said they thought it was going to be a hit is fucking lying um nobody knows right what we know what we did know is that it was really funny and we thought it was clever. And for a network that was still struggling to reach 50 million homes, we just went, at the very least, this was this will get attention. But then I bolted up in bed just nights before we were supposed to put it on air in a cold sweat, and I swear to God, I was like, wait, can I get arrested for this? Is this legal? <laughs> the big thing at the time on cable was how HBO uh, would, somehow show, would sometimes show breasts on Dream On. You have to remember how far culture has come and how far the needle has moved in a good part of 20 years. There was nothing on TV like this. I don't think anybody understood how funny, how smart, how in- ingenious it was going to actually be. Which is so true because it's like there was n- seriously the change in 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 history and where we've come with ratings and what you can actually put on TV and the difference between late night and prime time and all these kinds of things. It's just it's, 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 it was a totally different thing. 
um, in the 90s even. Um, it was just crazy to think about. Uh, how the pilot was received, though, when it aired in 1997, it was a hit. The ratings were amazing, even for a small network like Comedy Central, and the viewership was growing inexplicably. Um, and even today, South Park is seen as being a huge reason for putting Comedy Central on the map to begin with. Um, that's how much of a hit it was. It, it was truly the show that made the network, which is just such a cool concept. That's kind of all I have on it. Um, a fun fact that I thought uh, I just I, I threw out this research that I found was that um, when Trey and Matt went to meet with Herzog in New York, uh, Herzog and their team like offered them, you know, tickets to nightclubs reservations to restaurants and just all these things and matt and trey had already bought their tickets for like three different broadway shows and herzog genuinely thought that they were fucking with him because he was like how can any two 20 something guys that made something like the spirit of christmas actually want to go watch broadway um but that's just the difference right it's like it's just they're actually fucking who they are that's who they are they're genuinely fucking smart people like you can't be as funny and creative and and successful as these guys are without that level of smarts. I mean, listen, these guys have gone on to create fucking uh, I almost said Hamilton <laughs> Book of Mormon, <laughs> the Book of Mormon, yeah. which won a fuck ton of Tony Awards. It's like they're they're so smart. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I did not do like I said in the beginning, I did not do a future of the series. I don't really i could look I mean, up it's right run now. for what over 25 seasons probably like 26 or 27 i think it's, it's at least like 26 movies and specials and i mean that was the other know, thing like, they created their movie um they created their movie it's on imdb it says they're like listed through sorry on imdb they've had 26 seasons uh fully but it says like they're listed through 30 so i don't know i, I don't know what yeah that means. but like that's because they, have, they had like the streaming wars and no i'm the, saying they're listed like through south park post no, that's not the same thing those are those are listed as specials there's not a part of a season then i wonder the, what the season they have are. a they have a deal through 30 seasons oh they I'm have saying. a deal through 30 if it, if it says 30 on here and there's nothing listed for it that means somewhere they have a deal through still making 30 seasons worth of it. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't gotcha. Uh, that makes more sense. Yeah, I didn't articulate that properly. Um, They've had their, they, yeah, like for Paramount Plus, they've had their specials that they've done for them. They've done some specials for HBO. I believe their, their show itself still airs on, actually, does it air on HBO or does it air on Comedy Central? I actually Comedy don't Central, know. No. I think it, I would think it's still on Comedy Central, but I actually don't know. Either way, I was going to say one other thing and I can't really remember what it was. But, but, but oh, their movie, actually, what's crazy to think is the, sh the show originally aired in 1997. The movie came out two years later. That's how big a hit it was. Right. Like, yeah. when does a TV show ever have a movie come out two years after its release and is still airing on TV? Mm -hmm. Like, that's insanity to think. Jimmy Neutron. Okay, but uh, not quite as big a hit. No, you don't think so? You don't, no. You Honestly, the South Park movie is still like, uh, still so good and so funny. It's one. It's oh, the yeah. first, uh, it's the first rated R movie I ever saw. When my, um, when I told my roommate that we're do we were doing Rick and Morty in South Park, he was like, oh, I'm going to watch the South Park movie. And he was, he literally <laughs> sent me a amazing. photo of him. Uh, he literally sent me a photo of him watching the movie and said, blame Canada. <laughs> uh, the, which also is a song that got nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, God, yeah. Hilarious, too. It really is. But, yeah, that's what I got. I, I, There was, honestly, there was so much more information that I wanted to put in here that I really, I 
try to cut it down, but I've been talking for 40 minutes and like, I, yeah, yeah. But it, it was, it's great. It's a great show. Um, really interesting really history. That my, my favorite bit that you just mentioned was the wakes up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. Yeah. Wait, can I get arrested for this? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause it is That's truly hilarious. back then. It's like, who knows? Like, or there was you just no get way, massively there was no fine. way to know. Yeah. Like, so is it's it just, just going to be a fine? Am I going to be, am I going to be like off? Like, is it going to, are they going to come for me? Yeah. Am I going to get sued? Indicted? I don't know. <laughs> Could I be indicted for this? Yeah. Like, do I have that's... to move towns? Make <laughs> go, them, go underground make life, for a while. A new name? <laughs> yeah, but it, it is really a cool, a cool history. Um, I knew a fair, not a fair. I knew a good portion of this. I knew the Frosty versus or the Jesus versus Santa thing, the Spirit of Christmas. I knew that stuff. Um, like I knew that was kind of how they started. I knew that they created the first version of it in college, but I just didn't know like kind of where they, what the history of them when they first were in Los Angeles. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, a lot of that was very good. Very fun to know. Yeah. Oh, one other fun fact. Very fun to learn rather. Um, just in general about Trey Parker and Matt Stone. At some point they made an episode where Cartman goes to Casa Bonita. If you don't know what Casa Bonita is in Colorado for a long time, it has been a very, well-known trademark, not trademark, um, landmark of a restaurant that is was for a really long time known as a terrible place to get food, but an amazing place for atmosphere. Um, during COVID, it shut down, but it was actually purchased by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and they revamped it, hired new chefs to create new menus for it, and uh, they, I, me and my family have actually been, you have to, you have to sign up for their email list to actually get a ticket to be able to get in. Um, but it is a fucking amazing experience now. Um, I never went pre them owning it, so I don't really know what it was like then, but suppose my parents had been and they were like, the food was atrocious and now it's amazing. Um, which it was never known for. So yeah, didn't they turn, didn't they make it like somewhat fancy now too well the food is fancy the actual place itself like the, in an ironic way almost yeah 100 percent an ironic south parky and trey parker matt stone way yeah um but the fact that they did that and i've kept it alive uh is actually amazing so no i love it it's so yeah. good yeah. it's so funny um but yeah do you have anything else to add or do we want to hop into superlatives um, no let's do some superlatives all right let's get it my favorite character is actually Cartman. Um, he's definitely not within the show because, like, the rest of the show, because he's kind of the biggest asshole. But in this episode, him and him and uh, Kyle kind of switch that role. And I, I don't know. I enjoy oh, Cartman yeah. in this episode. Yeah, Cartman's my favorite in this episode too. Yeah, I think he's hilarious. He's hilarious. He's not like the at the over asshole that we kind of know now. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like Cartman. Least favorite character. Least favorite is Kyle because he's like the assholey like friend. He's like way bigger. He's a way bigger dick to Cartman than Cartman usually is to him. Um, and the Cartman and Kyle relationship we know now. That's funny. I see. I, I just love like all of their relationships. I think they're all hilarious. Uh, but my least favorite character was chef. Oh, that's fair. Mostly, mostly because it's like, he just keeps having these bits that just didn't land. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can agree with that. That's fair. Favorite part is for me personally, 
Uh, I just love when they're in the school bus and they're talking to, oh, I can't remember the bus driver's name now. Um, but uh, they're Miss Crabtree. Crabtree. Yeah. Okay. When they're talking to her and he, Stan goes, yeah, whatever you, fa- whatever you say, fat bitch. And she goes, what did you say? And he said, I have a bad itch. And then like, <laughs> then again, like a few minutes later, he says, yeah, but that fat bitch won't let us. And again, she goes, what did you say? And he said, I said the rabbits eat lettuce. <laughs> I just, I don't, I just love stupid shit like oh, that yeah. so much. They do. They I do eat lettuce. Yeah, I just love that. That kind of shit is so dumb, but so funny to me. It is. Yeah, that's a that's a good scene. Um, my favorite part was at the like at the end when the giant like satellite dish comes out of Cartman's ass, and he's like, "Like you guys, there's no such thing as aliens." <laughs> yeah, I I did write that first. I will say that actually, I legitimately wrote that down first. And then I was kind of like, mm, I think I laughed more at oh the the God. school bus, but that part. That end part is but fucking that, hilarious. That part was so funny when he's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Is There's no such thing as aliens. Yeah. Cartman, there's literally a giant satellite, satellite dish coming, coming out, of, out, your out ass. of your ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Um, least favorite part, I did not actually pick one, though. Now that you kind of mentioned Chef, I could definitely pick the part, like the weird parts with Chef where the bits just weren't landing. Um, yeah. They weren't was, like horrendous to the, me, uh, but yeah. The singing part. Oh, yeah, that's true. The singing parts just didn't didn't hit for me. They definitely get better at that with Chef throughout the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But I, mean, I love yeah. Chef in, in later episodes. Yeah. But it was definitely one of those bits that was not quite hitting um overall Uh, and then good noodle stars noodle stars i don't dislike this show don't get me wrong but i did give it five because it is one of those shows where i just nowadays i just can't keep watching it it isn't as funny to me as it used to be and i don't know if that's because they constantly make fun of the current political climate and the current political climate is just a real fucking bummer to me uh so watching that kind of stuff just isn't really as funny to me um though i will say i do love when they do kind of their specials and their episodes and that kind of stuff like it is still a fantastic show it's just for me it's one of those shows where it's like i still probably won't go back and watch this like i'll go back and watch the movie for sure but i won't actually go back and and watch i won't watch current episodes i won't go back and watch old ones it's just not one of those shows for me i know because i used to actually really enjoy the show i used to watch it all the time but nowadays i don't know it's just not it doesn't hit quite the same for me yeah well, it's just funny because I, I, I do still love the show, and I, I will still go back and watch it occasionally and like catch up on the most recent episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but this episode just did not like appeal to me at all, and I gave it four out of seven good noodle stars. Oh, okay, nice. and it's like it's to the whole, it's to the same point that like, like you were talking about with their creation when they did the pilot and got all the fan ratings and like the, uh, uh, in the focus groups mm-hmm. like it just was like like this episode wasn't good very like and was not indicative of the things that they're capable of and that's well, so true because, it's funny like, though because it's sh- really funny at certain times it does but at the same time the focus group didn't end up reflecting how the show did the pilot episode was a fucking hit like the pilot episode was massive it did so well no, when and I think aired. part of it for me is that like this is so much more relatively tame compared to what we're used to nowadays. Yeah, true, because like, it, this episode again, is so tame. Yeah, well, like uh, Herzog said, the where they've come in 
in uh, what you can do on TV now is so different. The culture, yeah, no, the culture like around this episode that is so different. Didn't, like there no, were funny fair. parts, that, but yeah, like, yeah. the whole episode as a whole just did, would not have like would yeah. not appeal to me now. Yeah, no, I feel that. Maybe back then. I mean, overall, still, we know that it went on to become still an amazing show. They make great, like, great specials, and yeah. And yeah. Well, that's that's South Park for you. That's South Park for you. Do we want to chit chat about? We can. The Rick and the Morty. Rick and Morty. We can talk about Rick and Morty. Got to start like I always do. The good, uh, good throat clearing. Um, and so, uh, Chloe. How about you tell me what you know about the show Rick and Morty? Sorry, I was taking a drink of water real quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we've done this the same way for however many episodes, almost 50 now. Yeah, I think I cut it out most of the time, though, so nobody knows. <laughs> um, what do I know about the show Rick and Morty? I know who it was created by. Um, I know that the one creator has been in a real mess of... Uh, issues lately um Mm -hmm. i also know one of the creators was the creator of community which we love Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the extent of my knowledge on it yeah i mean honestly pretty good pretty good amount of knowledge uh all things considered um i've i've watched some of the show and i i like i knew that it was made by justin roiland and dan Harmon. oh Uh, i have watched the entirety of the show i should have said that as well um, and then I, I did know that the names were based on Doc and Marty. Um, uh, that's just like another one of those like little tidbits of information that I've heard here and there. Um, but other than that, let's, uh, let's get into it. Shall we? No. Oh, all right. Well, that's our show. Um, I think I do this every single time and we do this every time. Like it never, (laughs) every time we make this. And I think every time I go to edit, I'm like, why did I make that fucking joke? It's so stupid and worn out. Honestly, it's funny every time. It's funny every time to me. (laughs) I laugh. Wonderful. It gets me. Um, Teach me Um, about Rick and Morty. I will teach you. So the title of the pilot episode is pilot. Uh, It originally aired on December 2nd, 2013 on adult swim. Uh, and if you want to go watch it, you can actually watch it in quite a few places with subscriptions to Max, YouTube TV, or Hulu. Uh, it's also free with ads on Sling TV, uh, and it's also available for purchase if you want to go buy it on one of your video purchasing platforms. Uh, the synopsis for the show is the fractured domestic lives of a nihilistic mad scientist and his anxious grandson are further complicated by their interdimensional misadventures. Uh, and the synopsis for the episode is a strangely eccentric genius scientist and inventor moves into the home of his daughter and her family and begins to strongly influence his young grandson. And it was created by, as said before, Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. Uh, now, we've done, as you just mentioned, Dan Harmon before. You've talked about him when, uh, or I've talked about him, somebody talked about him uh, when we did Community. Yeah, I honestly don't remember at this point. Um, I want to say it was you, but I don't know for sure. Uh, but either way, I'll do a quick little tidbit on Dan Harmon, uh, just, you know, to recap some of his uh, background information, but I, there wasn't actually a ton of info about these guys leading up to Rick and Morty as a whole, like Dan Harmon for sure more, but we've obviously done a lot of that because of the community stuff. 
so I won't like just harp on it for too long. But he was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on January 3rd, 1973, and he graduated from Brown Deer High School and then went on to attend Marquette University. Uh, and then he actually, uh, as, as we've probably mentioned before, he briefly attended Glendale Community College in Glendale, California, which is the experience that he referenced for the basis of the show Community. Um, early on in his career, he was a member of uh, a couple different comedy troops, uh, comedy sports, as well as the Dead Alewives, who were both involved in just making um, like small comedy sketches and uh, comedy music. I believe there was a song from the Dead Alewives that may have won some sort of award, which I didn't look too much into because I didn't want to focus on it too much. But um, I do know that they made a successful song with them. Uh, and following his time with this group, he went on to work for this, uh, I shouldn't say work for, he created uh, this sort of shorts festival called Channel 101. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Does this ring a bell to you? It kind of does. Um, I honestly don't remember. Well, Channel 101 is a nonprofit monthly short film festival created by Dan Harmon and Rob Schrab held in L.A. Uh, it was it was started in 2001 uh, uh, and, and participants submit short films in the format of a pilot under five minutes in length. So that's sort of the general idea. I don't know. It sounds similar to the Stephen King thing. Um that we've mentioned at some point where he did like yeah. a, you could make any, you could make an adaptation of any Stephen King thing. Um, yeah. It's similar. For his to, festival. I would say it's similar to that, but this is not specific to Stephen King. No, stuff. I know that. I know that. I just, I think that's why I think I've heard of it because I'm thinking of that rather than this. Oh yeah. yeah Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm bad. Well, essentially like Dan Harmon and Rob Schrab basically just started hosting weekends where they would, uh, they would have people come over and just like, Hey, you should like, they would just do these like little fun competitions. Like, Hey, make a, make a pilot in like, that's under five minutes. Like just like make something funny, like do a short film. And they would do that. And eventually it just got bigger and bigger and bigger until they needed to start like renting out back rooms in like, <laughs> awesome. nightclubs in LA. And, uh, I think it was in 2004, they officially became like an actual like festival like had a thing called channel 101 this is like the festival where people like come. they set up the well because you said it was a non-profit right yeah yeah, it's yeah a so they probably actually set up the non-profit at that point too right exactly uh so i think that was in 2004 um but a quick dial back uh because before i want to before i get into that i want to talk a little bit about justin roiland uh, again, not a ton of information about his early life, but he was born in Manteca, California on February 21st, 1980. He attended Sierra High School until the first quarter of his senior year when he transferred to Manteca High School, where he graduated in 1998, uh, and then attended Modesto Junior College in Modesto, California. Uh, mm -hmm. And then he, uh, in 2004, began submitting content to Channel 101, which is where he met uh, Dan Harmon. Um, and, uh, that's sort of everything that like leads up to them meeting his, like one of the things that made him stand out was that his pilots at channel one, one mostly consisted of these sick and twisted elements, which <laughs> gave like the productions a ton of shock value and, and like constantly received confused reactions from the audience. And so that definitely made him stand out to Dan Harmon <laughs> for sure. Okay. Um, 
yeah, I just like, like when that's the, when that's what you're that remembered for early on. Like it just is such a it, it's it compare like it, no, it, it makes sense when you compare <laughs> that with Dan Harmon, but it's just funny. Uh, yeah, it is. It is funny because well, so and then, uh, like I'm doing a lot of back and forth here because it's I think it best fits the like. It just, it just, it's better to like tell the information this way, but, it, uh, but just going back to Dan Harmon after that. Uh, so Dan Harmon went on obviously to create community in 2009, which was his first major television series. Uh, it eventually ran for six full seasons, but shortly after the creation of community, he actually created a company or an animation production company called Starburns Industries, uh, which is actually <laughs> named after the character yeah. from community. <laughs> Uh, My name is the, Alex. The character, sorry, uh, the guy, the guy who played Starburns. I forget his name, but he started the company with Dan Harmon. Oh, that's awesome! Um, so I did not know that. Together. Uh, but one of the first acts of the company was to produce the stop motion episode of Community, which actually won them an Emmy for outstanding achievement in animation, which is really cool. Yeah. And then a few years later. Uh, again, this is shortly after. This is actually shortly after Dan Harmon left Community, because if you remember, Dan Harmon yeah. left after three seasons. Well, he got fired. Uh, first, technically, he got fired. Yeah, he got <laughs> then fired he after back. three seasons. <laughs> the and then eventually season brought then, back. But yeah, but shortly after he was fired from Community in 2012, Adult Swim approached him to produce a new animated series uh, for their network, and Dan Harmon had previously sort of been like eh, adult swims not really the place for my like shows you know mm-hmm. like there's nothing that i have but in the back of his mind he remembered justin roiland and his uh and his where and roiland had worked with Harmon on a couple like episodes of community here and there so they had been working together okay. uh, over the course of the next decade I was going to uh, say so he he immediately was kind asked, of a wild yeah, like yeah. it wasn't like a wild like, <laughs> way like oh back I remember that guy that made outrageous f- short films for our thing um but uh but so he he reached out to Royland and asked him if he'd like to be involved uh, uh and this is sort of because earlier in his career uh Royland had been fired from a TV series that he considered to be created creatively stifling and in response to that firing, he followed it. He funneled his creativity into a webisode for Channel One Hundred One called "The Real Adventures of Doc and Marty." Uh, Marty spelled M H A R T I, which is an animated short parodying Doc Brown and Marty McFly. And in the original short, Doc Smith urges Marty to perform oral sex on him in order to oh. go back in time. So it's sort of like again this like sort of shock value that uh, that he always had. Uh, and immediately after Harmon asked Royland about potential for creating a show for Adult Swim, he responded by referencing his work on those parody shorts, saying they should totally use those, but with the names Rick and Morty. Nice. Um, so that's sort of the where the yeah, idea Royland definitely came needed from. Harmon to kind of tame down. His, oh, for his, sure. A little bit too, <laughs> and by a little bit, I mean way over the top fucking shit. Oh yeah. Definitely. Well, and so initially Royland wanted the show to have an 11 minute runtime based solely on Rick and Morty, the characters, but Adult Swim really pushed them for a half hour program. Uh, and Harmon suggested that they extend the program by building a family around the characters. So again, like to your, to your point, Harmon sort of creating this more uh, fully fledged out uh, group of characters to help lengthen the showtime to mm-hmm. what Adult Swim was looking for. Uh, and then, 
they were they had worked out the basics of the story and like sold the pilot all in the same day and then they sat down to write and according to Harmon, uh, they were sitting on the floor cross-legged with the lap cross cross-legged with their laptops uh, and just as he was about to get up and go home Royland said wait if you go home right now it might take us three months to finish this thing if you stay here we can write it in six hours and they did <laughs> the first draft of the pilot was finished in six hours on the Paramount Pictures lot in Dan Harmon's unfurnished community office. That's fucking amazing, honestly. Uh, and, like, that's sort of, like, the rest is history. Like, like it's so, it, it just happens so, like, like, here's Channel 101. Here's what Justin Roiland did for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in comes Adult Swim. Hey, Dan, you got anything? He's like, yeah, I got some. Hey, hey, Justin, you got anything? <laughs> yeah, I totally. You remember Doc and Marty? How about Rick and Morty? And he's like, sure, whatever. And they just write it in six hours. They wrote the whole pilot. That's actually so awesome. And it's 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 so great. The show was the show received like extremely positive reviews. I could literally not find a negative review for the show on Metacritic from a critic. Oh wow! Uh, all of them were positive. Uh, like literally every review basically is like starts out by acknowledging the coarseness and rudeness of the show and then says that it adds to the overall humor and plot. Like it's like, well, yeah, that's generally what the show is built for. Um, that's just Justin Roiland in a nutshell. Yeah. With the, Um, with the taming of, of fucking the taming of Dan Harmon. Yeah. yeah, it's just like it really to me just doesn't. If it was work just Justin Roiland, it would probably it not would have flopped. Be able to be a show. Yeah, no, it would have flopped. One, it I feel like he probably wouldn't sure. have had the retention, at least at the time, the retention rate to be able to know how to write a proper thirty-minute episode. If he really oh, yeah. was like so like desiring to. Yeah, well, I guess I guess the reason that he said if you go home, it might take us three minutes to finish thing finish this thing is because Roiland has had issues with procrastination in the past yeah i mean you know, and so like out. to your point his retention his ability to like like write something that would become a full 30 minute probably isn't there especially because most of the 11 minutes that he was probably going to introduce were already things that he had worked that he had created uh for the like the real adventures of doc and marty mm-hmm. uh shorts yeah that's cool um though. another thing that happened during that uh production is that like one of the producers i think at adult swim suggested that they make rick morty's grandfather and initially roiland really didn't want to do anything and the reason for that is because roiland had never really had any success writing a show Mm -hmm. uh he had been trying to submit some shows he had a few failed uh pilots here and there and uh he was very averse to receiving back like receiving feedback from other people in the sense of like uh, like altering his initial ideas um interesting okay and so like i think that there was like a level of like distaste no i can do this myself like i can get this done Mm -hmm. uh that like i think dan Harmon coming in and saying like hey like sometimes you just got to take take criticism where it is uh and like definitely helping helping Royland out, I think, at the beginning, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the show itself uh, had a pretty slow start. I don't know if you remember, like, uh, 
like released its episodes and then people loved it and they were like when season two when season two when season two and mm-hmm. then like a couple years later was season two and then like people were like when season three when season three when i mean season three. i will say i i was not on this show from the get-go i didn't start watching it until i think three seasons were out but what i do remember is like the very first introduction of my like of me into rick and morty was um the interdimensional television and oh yeah yeah, yeah. And I remember hearing a thing that when they did that part, they just actually drank in the studio and just made up shit on the fly and then put in mm. whatever they actually thought worked, um, yeah. which I just thought was amazing. It's just such a funny idea for writing a show. Yeah, it really is. And it's so perfect for that show. It Yeah, it really is. Um, But yeah, so, but I don't know if you're, but like, like I remember like, like, like there were just fans all over uh like Royland and Harbin about like like we gotta make it again. We gotta keep we gotta keep going. You guys have to keep making this. Yeah. Um and so like the show started off relatively slow, but like that that sort of fan adoration seemed to keep the show like like I think it really pushed Royland and Harbin to actually keep working on it. Uh there are currently seven seasons of the show now with seventy one total episodes. Uh, airing their most recent episode on December 17th, 2023. Uh, but after its third season and like 31 episodes, that, that would be after 31 episodes in total, mm-hmm. uh, Adult Swim ordered 70 more episodes of the show, which uh, at their current average 10 episodes a season pace was was an extension of seven seasons. Yeah. Which is wild. Uh, so the show's eighth season currently has no set release date, uh, but it's... Ex- but it's expected as early as fall 2024 in case you, you were wondering. Interesting. Okay. But yeah, like that's, that's wild. 70 more episodes of a show that was averaging 10 episodes a season. It, it really is because it, it's, I don't know. You just don't expect when like, especially because of Royland's like desire to not want to do a full thing. And then it kind of makes sense that they had such a few amount of shows and that they like the whole, you know, when season two, one season two, one season three, one season three, that kind of thing. Like it is surprising to like jump to such an insane amount of episodes. Oh yeah. But after, after the third season, like that was like when I think it reached not its peak because I think it's, it's like still popular, but uh, essentially like when it like it I think it reached peak cult following you know mm-hmm. in that sense that like like this just got a really early cult following that's the way I picture it yeah you know like in that. the same way that like like a lot of people like a lot of these shows that we've done get like their cult followings way later and it's like like Firefly you know it's like it's like a, it has a huge cult following but it only had the one season it's because it got it really late and like it's not like they're gonna go back and finish Firefly. No, not at all. Like it, there's definitely you know, the few where it's like y- the cult following can help it like become a thing again. But yeah, like I agree the the timeliness of it. It's kind of like the timeliness of it definitely helped. It's kind of like for Family Guy, right? Like it got canceled, and then for some reason it got like the the sales of the DVDs and people writing letters is what helped it continue yeah. on and be able to to still be a show so yeah it's just like i think it just like had so many people and especially like during a time when like i think the like nowadays when the internet is just so easily 
accessible by everybody. It's so mm-hmm. easy for so many different people to put online like tweets and TikToks and vines and, and what have you of just like saying like, we got to bring the Rick and Morty back or like, yeah. like to the extent of that episode they had where they try to bring back the McDonald's Szechuan sauce and then McDonald's <laughs> eventually brings back the Szechuan sauce. Oh wait, did they really? Real I didn't know that. Yeah, for like a limited time, they did it. I actually had no idea. Uh, McDonald's Szechuan sauce. You can currently buy it on eBay for $950 if you want. What? There's also one on eBay for $15 from the 2022 limited edition pack. That is actually Uh, outrageous. They they had the Szechuan sauce that they re-released because of Rick and Morty. So that is actually outrageous. They had a huge, they've they've had a huge impact and a huge like following of people. Uh, so seventy episodes. I mean, I knew they had a huge impact and like a huge following, line. but like that's just to bring something like that back that literally released for Mulan is just a crazy concept. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, that just that one kind of blew my mind. No, it is. It's totally wild. <laughs> Uh, but that's it. Sorry, continue. No, that's that's it. That's the uh, that's the end of what I have. That's some some juicy inf, some juicy information. It was, it was juicy. It was not a lot, but it was very juicy. Yeah, I mean, I, like, you can't compare it to mine because mine was actually ridiculous. Yeah, no, I think how much information I had on mine. I think well, a lot of the information on Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon nowadays is uh, what's happening with Justin Roiland. And why the fuck? Yeah, is, it is unfortunate. Like, what's going on with there? And I didn't want to get into any of that, so I just didn't. Even, I just stayed away. Yeah, from no, there's it, no it point. All has to I mean, do with right now versus what actually happened going into the creation of the show. Yeah, hundred percent. And it also doesn't pertain. Yeah, it doesn't pertain to some of our fucking business. It is what it is. What happened? What happened? Yeah. Like, you know. This is a pilot. This is a show about pilots. Close. It's a show about pilots. That's why I didn't look up too much information about where the show is now. Okay, for mine. Exactly. Egg so sug salad. my toes, bro. Sug my toes. Sug my toes. All right, superlatives. Nice. I'm ready to get it. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good with superlatives. It's kind of nice that you had a little bit less because my, uh, my recording was an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, my um, favorite character yeah. was Rick. Yeah. Obviously, I love 100%. Rick in this episode. He's yeah. so fun. I mean, I love Rick through the whole show, but I think I love Morty more throughout the remainder of this, like throughout the show. Yeah. Um, but Rick for sure. Hilarious. I feel like I just, I like them both. Like you literally, this is the reason it's called Rick and Morty. Yeah, I mean, you need exactly. both of them you for it to, to be entertaining. Morty sucks if you don't have Rick, and Rick also kind of sucks if you don't have Rick's, Morty. Rick's so. just unhinged and an asshole if you don't have yeah you need rick and morty's like there's a it's the you know rick is justin roiland and morty is dan Harmon. you need morty to sort of dial rick back a little bit (laughs) 100 percent. 100 percent. uh my least favorite character i don't know why i always forget his name but was the is the dad in this episode jerry (laughs) jerry yeah yeah my least favorite character is jerry i don't know why i couldn't remember his name my least uh I, I don't know. I love Jerry. <laughs> I do love Jerry. Trust me. He's I love a, Jerry as no, a whole. He's, I didn't just he's not great from that episode. episode. I agree. But he was not my least favorite. And yours was? My least favorite was Beth. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I just he hate was her gonna whole, be one like, of those two for me. Yeah. I just hate her whole, like... <laughs> like, she literally is like, I'm not going to kick my dad out after not having him for how much... It's like, bro, he's literally kidnapping your child at night. Like, that is what is <laughs> happening. And to, like, pretend it's not that is actually insanity. 
To pretend that's not what's happening. Like, don't be mad at Jerry for literally wanting to do the best for his fucking son. (laughs) Like, what? It is. That is so true. (laughs) It's actually crazy to me. Favorite part? It's so funny. Uh, My favorite part. It's so hard to choose. There's so many. Uh, But it's probably the math dream. And it's specifically the line where (laughs) Jessica, the, the dream Jessica says, you know what, what you want me to do with them? Uh, what what you what I want you to do with them? And he's like, you want me to rename them because she calls them her little Mortys. And he's like, yeah. that's weird, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's like in his <laughs> dream. It's like you want me to rename them. <laughs> I don't know why that line got me so well. But then it's immediately pretty- after, when the math teacher's like, five more minutes of this, and I'm gonna get mad. <laughs> and I'm gonna get mad. Yeah. It is pretty good. Um, my favorite part is when Morty breaks his legs and then Rick uses the stuff to uh like fix him. And then the payoff of um oh. <laughs> of when he at the end is losing all of his motor functions for a little bit of time. I, I just love I love the setup. Uh, setups and payoffs are one of my favorite things in any kind of form of content. And I just uh, that one in particular I I truly do enjoy. I thought you were gonna talk about rick talking about the dimension he went to oh like he has the girls all over him and he's like i had to i had i stayed there for quite a while morty but i drained but because of that i drained the battery on our on the dimensional portal (laughs) (laughs) yeah and now we got it i'm gonna need you to to put these up your ass now morty stuff these up i would do it but my asshole's too small too 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 loose i can't do it i've done it too many times you're still young your asshole's still like what does he say? So tight, yeah. taut, and malleable. <laughs> it really Fucking is so very good. And I couldn't pick a least favorite part. I, I didn't pick one. I Absolutely pick not. One. There's this show. I was laughing the whole time. Yeah. I mean, like, this, I, like every joke I was laughing. It is so a newer hard. one. So it's like it, it, the, the comedy of it is a little more current. But I, that's yeah. also the thing that I've always loved about Dan Harmon in general is that his his at risk of not sounding like a fucking loser his humor is very meta and so it's like you can just you get if you know any of the funny things that they're referencing especially because like for me personally back to the future is one of my favorite movies of all time so it's just like you you get the humor the meta humor and i've just always loved that about about uh dan Harmon in general um so yeah but no, no least yeah, favorite no, part I, for me. Sorry, I agree. I kind of roundabout, roundabout said so that good. basically. Um, and as a result, I gave this seven out of seven good noodle stars. Hundred percent. I I genuinely restarted the first the first season like when I started this the other day. Like I just I fucking I love this show. It's so good. I'm so glad I got my dad to watch start watching it. Like it's just one of those shows that's just always entertaining. And if you take a little break from it and then go back, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about oh, this yeah. and that. Like this, and like honestly, so to go funny. back to some setup and payoff stuff, like the fact that they set up and pay off some shit that, like, uh, pff, bro, from like seasons prior, they have setups yeah. and payoffs, and it's no, they do, so they do great. A really good job of that. They really do. Oh, I just I love it. That's um, another thing that Dan Harmon's really good at. He's really good at like creating a sort of uh, like a, like a world, right? He's really good at world building. Like mm-hmm. he did the same in community where it's just like, like there's so much that like you can always like, 
like it's impossible to look at that and go like, oh, there was a continuity error here because Dan Harmon does such a good job of like, yeah. like thinking about those things. I mean, literally, there is an entire season where Abbott has an entire backstory in the background or entire mm -hmm. uh, sub story in the back. Literally, it's all just in the background of the episode of the show of oh, the yeah. season. Couldn't think of words like literally Abed like meets a girl, something else like delivers a baby. Like there's just this entire it's just. And yeah, then he talks about it in like the following season or whatever. Yeah, he talks. Yeah, it's just it's so good. It's so good. No complaints. Truly, truly fantastic. Truly, truly. The one thing that I wanted to like mention mm -hmm. that I thought was actually kind of cool. Another one of those things where it's like we had no idea about this picking these two shows is the sort of relationship between uh like them like when when trey parker and matt stone would do their like like we get together on the weekends and we like do these short films mm -hmm. and we or we do these like films and we just get together and do that in the same way that like dan Harmon and rob schrab would do that creating channel 101 uh I just thought it was a really cool parallel to like where like as a, oh, as yeah, a background 100%. to both of these shows. Hundred percent. And I always I always find that stuff so fascinating when we when we do these episodes when we do these when we do this podcast because it's so out of nowhere and like holy shit like there was no way we could have known that. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Um, something I thought was interesting when. Uh, we were talking in my stuff when we were talking about the rating or the culture and how things have changed and how the, you know, Herzog woke up in the middle of the night being like, oh, my God, like, can I get arrested for this? I think it's funny because Fox turned them down and like, despite the fact that South Park is a like more intense and vulgar, I think, than Family Guy, the sheer fact that like only a few years later, they actually did bring Family Guy on to fox oh yeah yeah i think i it's funny because i didn't really talk about it in the time that we did family guy also family guy was our first thing um but like really i didn't think about how much south park probably paved the way for a lot of shows like that like yes the simpsons as well but like even still like i feel like south park offered a little bit more intense and and yeah well the simpsons didn't have the vulgarity that south park and family guy do yeah but it's like it just wasn't the same level of interesting or funny um so i just i just think that's kind of interesting as well totally good point are you ready for an outro are you ready for the worst outro of your life i mean second worst outro of your life uh yeah dude totally all right, guys, thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate every one of you for taking the time to do so. If you don't currently, be sure to follow us on your podcasting platform of choice, as well as on Instagram at Back to the Pilot, so you know when new episodes get released. And while you're here, leave a review and let us know how we're doing. On our next episode, we get down to some serious business with billions and suits. We hope you had a fantastic time listening, and we'll see you next time when we take you Back to the Pilot. So long, everyone. Nice. Beautiful outro. Gorgeous. You said it was going to be oh. bad. Mm. I said it was going to be the second worst one you've ever heard. But the good news is that all of the other ones I've ever done were tied for worst. So it is still the best I've ever done. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see you. They're all that bad. Well, I'm fucking super excited for Billions and Suits, honestly. I, I, yeah, I love, love Billions. I love Suits. I lo I've never watched Billions. My so my parents have been watching Suits recently because we were. Big I introduced your fans. dad to Suits. Did you? Okay.
Yeah. Maybe that's why they've been I, I watching it recently. Because I, I, I was watching Suits one time when I came over and I was like, I was like, I feel like you'd really like, like this show. And we watched a couple episodes that I was, and he was like, wow, I actually do. I actually do really like this show. Nice. And I think he finally decided to go back and start watching yeah. it from the beginning. Yeah. Both of them have been, been watching it and they've been enjoying it. I've seen the first couple seasons of it. Um, I don't, I don't really know why I stopped watching it, but it's been fun kind of watching it with them again, but I just also fucking love billions and it's just such a, such a good show, man. I'm excited to watch the first, first episode of billions cause I've never watched it, but I have heard lots of good things. Mm-hmm. 